Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-44. The Son of Man, Hebraically, how should we seek to understand this rather curious statement? What exactly does it mean? We will explore the answer to the question in this upcoming biblical study. Hello there. Once again, this is Avi Ben Mordechai with Real Israel Talk Radio. And on today's podcast, we're going to have a look at the concept and the biblical Hebraic idea behind the expression, the Son of Man. So let's take a look at this idea and we'll tackle this on two parts of this podcast. This program here is part one. Stay with us, okay? When reading through the narratives of the New Testament, and we come across the expression, the Son of Man, one fact that certainly does not escape my notice is that it regularly seems to appear as if Yeshua was speaking about a third person. In other words, when he often used the term Son of Man, it would appear as if he was speaking about the Son of Man, as if to speak about some other persona outside of himself. Kind of like saying, you know, that guy over there, the Son of Man. It's sort of like when I talk of myself and then I say, Avi says, rather than I say. So there seems to be this third person entity expressed in his uh, words, in his teachings. So let's take a look at some examples of the idea in its Brihadashah or New Testament context. Matthew 8.20 and Yeshua said to him, to a certain scribe, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew 12.40 For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew eighteen eleven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Mark nine thirty one. For he, referring to Yeshua, taught his disciples and said to them. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Mark 14.62 Yeshua said, I am, in reference to a question, and then he continues on, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. John five twenty six through 27 
For as the Father has life in himself, so he who granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Acts 7, 55-56, referring to Stephen. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, referring to Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Yeshua standing at the right hand of God. And while his accusers were stoning him to death, he said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And Revelation 14.14 Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. There are also numerous references to this idea of the Son of Man in the Hebrew Scriptures between Genesis and Second Chronicles. That term is identified in Hebrew as Ben-Adam. Now, in everyday Israeli Hebrew, the term Son of Man is actually a common expression but it's used in Hebrew and referenced as the term Ben-Adam, which is today's street language Hebrew that means a person or a human being, that is, a man. So, for example, one person might say to another person in everyday street language Hebrew, Tihyeh Ben-Adam. Translated, that would mean, be a man. It's in a command form. Be a man. Tihie ben Adam. And within the local context of a Hebrew conversation, the hearer would naturally understand the point. Kind of putting it into Yiddish, be a mensch, as my grandfather and grandmother used to say, be a mensch, or be a man. Act with dignity. Act your age. That's the kind of idea. If and when you should travel to Israel, you will often hear Israelis on the street making references about everyday people using that expression, Ben Adam. Okay, that's today's Hebrew lesson for now. But in biblical Hebrew, the meaning of Ben Adam or Son of Man, is just a bit different. And this is what we are now going to explore. So I ask the question, why does Yeshua regularly refer to this idea of the Son of Man, or the Ben-Adam, as if he was speaking about a third person? Well, I'll ask the question, Exactly who is this Son of Man that Yeshua was referring to? From the narrative contexts, yeah, it certainly appears that he was speaking of himself, which is interesting in and of itself. 
This is because in Aramaic, the street language of the Jews in the Second Temple period, in Aramaic, the term Son of Man was a different phrase. It was not Ben Adam, because that's Hebrew. Son of Man in Aramaic had a special messianic connotation. However, among the religious and perhaps even the not-so-religious people of his time, they would have heard Yeshua speak of it in Aramaic, most likely, and thus they would have heard him say, Enosh, or Enosh, which is Aramaic for a man, but even more so. Then when Yeshua said, Son of Man, in Aramaic, he would have connected the word bar to the word enosh to produce the phrase bar enosh, that is, a son of man. But again, as I said, there's much more to this in Aramaic. So let's take a look at this by breaking down the two words bar and enosh. First, let's take a look at the word bar, which is the Hebrew letters bet resh. The word bar in Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew, bar in Aramaic, it means a son. If you are familiar with Judaism even a little bit, you likely will be familiar with the Jewish term bar mitzvah for a boy or bat mitzvah for a girl. A bar mitzvah means a son of the commandment, which is a big deal in Judaism because it is a coming-of-age event for a Jewish boy when he reaches the age of 13. He essentially becomes a man that is obligated to obey the Jewish Torah laws. For girls, their event is called a bat mitzvah, a daughter of the commandment, and this is her spiritual coming-of-age emancipation when she becomes a woman, when she comes of age usually at about 12 years old and thus is responsible to uphold all the Jewish laws of the Torah for the community and the home. So, Let's get a summary idea here so I don't lose you. In Aramaic, bar means a son, and a mitzvah in Judaism is a law or instruction of the Torah, obligating one to hear and do the Torah as a man or a woman. That is the idea behind the term bar. Now, in Hebrew, bar does not mean a son. Again, bar does not mean a son. In Hebrew, bar takes on a different meaning. Bar in Hebrew is a wheat grain. Yes, a wheat grain. Here is some scripture to give you that nuance of the term. Genesis forty-one forty-nine. Joseph gathered very much grain. The Hebrew there is bar. 
Joseph gathered very much bar as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. Genesis 42.3 So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Here, in Hebrew, the term went down to buy grain is the Hebrew word bar. He went down to buy bar. Jeremiah, Yermayahu, 23.28 And he who has my word... Let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says Jehovah? In Hebrew, what is the chaff to the wheat? Wheat is the Hebrew word bar in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scripture. Amos 8.5 says, When will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain? The Hebrew here is that we may sell bar or grain, wheat. Psalm 65, verse 14. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are also covered with grain. In Hebrew, the term grain is bar. The valleys are covered with bar. So, from these references... We learn that bar in Hebrew means grains of wheat, and bar in Aramaic means a sun. They are linked. Let's go into the basis of Aramaic, because this, I believe, is the language that Yeshua used when he was speaking to the common people of the day, because in his day, Aramaic was the street language of the Jewish people. Okay? So, we are going to go now into Enosh. Enosh. This is spelled with the Hebrew letters Aleph, Nun, Shin. Aleph, Nun, Shin. Enosh. Also sometimes pronounced Enosh. It's an Aramaic word that means a man or a person, a human being. So, today, in Israeli Hebrew, you might hear someone use the plural term anashim. It's from the singular word enosh, anashim. So, if you were speaking street language, modern, everyday Hebrew today, and you spoke to someone using the term anashim, which is plural of Enosh, an Israeli would understand you as saying people, that is, Anashim. So, for example, in a crowded room in modern-day Israel, you might be in that crowded room and you might hear someone say, Oi, vavoy, arbe Anashim. Well, that expression could translate to Ay, wow, a lot of people here in this room. Or perhaps, this room is crowded with men, crowded with people. So, in Aramaic, enosh is a word that refers to a person, a human being, or a man. 
meaning a lot of people, anashim, or simply one person, enosh, or enosh. So you can see instances of this from the Aramaic narratives written in the books of Ezra and Daniel. Here are a couple of examples for you. This is Daniel 2.10. Daniel 2.10. The Chaldeans, or the Kasdim, answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. The Aramaic is, there is not a man, that is, a nash on earth, who can tell the king's matter. In Ezra 6.11, Ezra 6.11, here it says, Also I issue a decree that a man, that is, a nash, a nash, who alters this edict, Let a timber be pulled from his house and erected. Let him be hanged on it and let his house be made a refuse heap because of this. Well, (laughs) that's not exactly something that I would want having done to my home. But you get the idea that the issue is that of a decree for a nash, a man who alters or changes an edict in Ezra 611. So, again, this is Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew. But for now, we want to have a look at what Enosh or Enosh means in Hebrew. In Biblical Hebrew, Enosh or Enosh carries the idea of weakness and sickness. So you might ask, what? Why would it say weakness and sickness? Okay, keep following with me. Keep following with me. In Aramaic, a nash or a nosh is a person or a man. But it also spills over into Hebrew to refer to not just a person or a man, but also a nash or a nosh is referencing the idea of a sick man, or a weak and ill man, a sickly man. Let's look at some scripture to give us the idea here. Job 34.6, should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. So the idea here in Hebrew for incurable is anush, anush. And that comes from Enosh or Enosh. Micah or Micha 1 9. For her wounds are incurable, for it has come to Judah. So here in the Hebrew of Micah 1 9, the idea the wounds are incurable. That Hebrew is Anusha, Anusha, coming from Enosh or Enosh. 2 Samuel 12.15. This is after Bathsheba, Bathsheba in English, gave birth to a child fathered by King David, and Jehovah struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he, the child, became sick. The Hebrew here is Enosh, 
or Enosh. So this is going to give us a really good idea of what Enosh or Enosh is really all about. Because of the beauty of the Hebrew language, you have to understand that more than one of a series of related meanings can be attached to a Hebrew word. Because Hebrew is not just so rigid, so wood-rigid. It has flexibility and a lot of meanings because of the way the vowels work with the consonants, okay? This is a higher function of biblical Hebrew, which we are not going to address in a lot of great detail here. Enosh or Enosh. It's going to prove itself to be a man of weakness or a man of sickness. Or if you want, a sickly man, an ill man, Enosh or Enosh. And if you are following with me, it should not escape your notice that this is going to take us right into a passage that everyone who studies the Bible will know about, and that is the prophetic word of Isaiah chapter 53, which is the man of sickness, the man of weakness, or as rabbinic Judaism calls him, the leper scholar. So we're talking about the persona and the idea of the Son of Man. So when Yeshua said, for example, in Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost, there's something very deep going on here of the Son of Man in Aramaic and the Son of Man in Hebrew. Now, I want to talk about the idea of enosh and another Hebrew word, which is insha, insha, enosh and insha. Now, enosh is a reference to not just a man or a person in Aramaic, but enosh, enosh is also referring to a sick or sickly man and ill man. But what I want you to know here is that enosh is also directly and grammatically linked to another word, insha. Listen to my words. Insha. You're going to hear a n sound, a nun sound. Insha. And that is spelled from Hebrew, aleph, Nun Shin, Aleph Nun Shin, which we get the word Enosh or Enosh and also Insha. Now, in biblical Hebrew, the word Insha is directly related to another word that we see in Genesis 2.23. That Hebrew word is Isha, Isha. That is the word for woman. And it regularly appears in Scripture. Again, Genesis 2, 23. Here it is written, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because 
she was taken out of man. Here, the Hebrew in Genesis 2.23 says, Ikra isha bama'ish lekacha lekachazot. In between the two letters that give us the word isha, which is the word woman, translated it is, and he will call her isha, woman, because from man she was taken. But... Here is something interesting. There is a missing letter. (laughs) Yeah, it's gone. It's not there. That is the Hebrew letter Nun. Because the Hebrew letter Nun drops out. We're going to come back and we're going to take a look at this idea. I'm Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-44. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, once again, we're back to Real Israel Talk Radio, and this is Avi Ben Mordechai. So, we're talking about the persona and the idea of the Son of Man. So, when Yeshua said, for example, in Matthew 18, 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost, there's something very deep going on here. And we left off with the idea of the Son of Man in Aramaic and the Son of Man in Hebrew. So let us continue. Now, I want to talk about the idea of enosh and another Hebrew word, which is insha. Insha. Enosh and insha. Now, enosh is a reference to not just a man or a person in Aramaic, but enosh is also referring to a sick or sickly man, an ill man. Enosh, or enosh, is also directly and grammatically linked to insha. Listen to my words. Insha. You're going to hear a n sound, a nun sound. Insha. In biblical Hebrew, the word insha is directly related to isha. Isha. That is the word for woman. Again, Genesis 2.23. Here it is written. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. In between the two letters that give us the word Isha, which is the word woman, there is a missing letter. That is the Hebrew letter Nun, because the Hebrew letter Nun drops out. It is known in Hebrew grammar as a letter of weakness. Weakness. 
or what Hebrew calls a weak letter, because out of weakness, it just kind of drops out of a word. Now, try to follow with me in this additional example as I am going to try to explain it, and I think it will make a lot of sense to you. Just follow with me, okay? Let's look at the word daughter. In English, daughter. In Hebrew, daughter is Beit Tav. That's how it's spelled, which kind of sounds like bot, bot. So once again, the Hebrew letter nun is known as a letter of weakness, or what Hebrew calls a weak letter. It can just kind of drop out of a word and all of a sudden it's gone. But if we reintroduce the dropped letter nun to the word bot, again, the singular Hebrew term for a daughter, bot, it will give us the spelling and the sound of banat. Banat, that's singular, banat. So bot would be singular, but if you put the dropped nun n sound back into that word, you're going to get banat, banat. And you can hear the nun or the n sound of the dropped nun in that word. So this is the case of the missing dropped n or nun. Now, this is actually not so surprising in Hebrew because even in English, letters will often get dropped or moved or even changed. For example, let's take a look at the idea of British English versus American English. American English loses the British English U so that words like plow, P-L-O-U-G-H becomes plow, P-L-O-W, without the U in American English. And catalog, with a U-E in British English, now becomes catalog, without a U-E ending, in American English. So, there are many examples like this between British English and American English, Flavor with a U, honor with a U, savor with a U, savior with a U, behavior, color, armor, demeanor, glamour, harbor. These are all words that are stripped of their letter U in American English. Whilst in British English, that letter U in these words is always retained. Okay, enough of the English lesson for today. Let's get back to Biblical Hebrew. In Biblical Hebrew, let me summarize the idea. The singular Hebrew term for the word daughter was banat, banat. You can hear the N sound. That became bat, where the noon just drops out. It disappears. Okay, that's the singular word. But notice that the plural word for the Hebrew term for daughters, that comes back with a noon. It's like the noon just all of a sudden returns again. So now, in the Hebrew plural for daughters, 
it sounds like bonnote. Bonnote with a n sound, a noon sound, and it's spelled bait, noon, vav, tav. Banot. So now let's return to the biblical Hebrew word for woman. The biblical Hebrew word for woman. In Hebrew, a woman is Isha. And we get this from Genesis 2 23. That's Aleph, Shin, He, Isha. But due to that weak and fragile dropped Hebrew letter Nun, which is considered a letter of weakness, when this weak Hebrew letter noon is reintroduced back into the Hebrew spelling for woman, it means we will take the spelling of Isha and then restore it back to Insha, which is spelled Aleph Nun Shin Hey. And interestingly, this does not break any Hebrew rules of grammar because the plural term for women in Hebrew is nashim, nashim. There, you can see it again. There's that little tricky nun, nun, shin, yud, mem, nashim with a beginning letter noon. But the word also now has an ending im. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a masculine plural ending. That's a suffix in the masculine plural. Well, what in the world is going on here? Why is the Hebrew plural for nashim or women... Why does that begin with a noon and end with a masculine plural? A woman is not a man. A woman is a woman. Why is the masculine there? Oh, why is this, you ask? Well, I think likely because of Genesis 2.23, my friends, where the narrative clearly says that collectively woman comes out of man. Therefore, the plural suffix im, that's the masculine plural suffix im, for the collective term woman is actually masculine. Again, it's masculine. So why is that the case? I think it's exactly what you probably are thinking because I was thinking the same thing because it's Eve or Adam's woman that got snookered into taking the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, it was her. And that's actually referenced in the New Testament. Yes, it was her. She got snookered. So, therefore, the feminine idea is that the woman became a man. The woman wanted to be a man. And you can see this very clearly in Genesis 3, 6. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a desired tree to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Here, the idea of wisdom or to be wise. This is used in modern Hebrew as kind of like street smarts. It's kind of like trying to argue with a very, very smart woman. Sometimes their logic is just dizzying, and you rarely win the argument, guys. That's just the way it is, because she got the street smarts from us when Yah took her out of us. She got the street smarts. So now you understand why it's so difficult to argue with a real smart woman whose logic can be very dizzying at times. Oh, yes, I know, you know, I think we all know. Okay, so this is the idea behind that masculine ending. So again, let me kind of summarize this. The Hebrew word for the singular term woman is isha. But the collective plural term, woman, that's collectively plural, woman, is nashim. There is a noon reintroduced back into the word where it's missing in the singular term for woman. So we can clearly distinguish and hear the word insha with the noon, insha, baked into that word, revealing to us its dropped weak status as a Hebrew letter nun, a weak letter. So now this brings up a very interesting point about the weakness of the Hebrew letter nun. In scripture, a woman is noted as a vessel of weakness. Yes, a woman is noted as a vessel of weakness. Uh-oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute here. What? Why? What? What are you saying, Avi? Whoa. I got all the women out there going, what? What are you talking about? Oh, that is that guy's nuts. No, 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 no. Listen, listen carefully. A woman in biblical scripture is noted as a vessel of weakness. Now, if I were to ask some of you women out there, and I want you to really be honest with me here, do you actually like being strong? Well, I don't know if I like what I'm going to hear here. (laughs) Most women are probably going to say, No, I don't like being strong, but I have to, or something along those lines. That's what I think a lot of women might say. Now, you could write me and uh, give me your thoughts on this matter. I would love to hear from you. You can address your correspondence to questions at cominghome.co.il. Questions at cominghome.co.il. I'll read your comments and see what you think. The question is, most women, do you like being strong? Now, you might say yes, 
But I think most women are going to say, no, I don't like it, but I'm forced into it because I'm around a bunch of men that are just a bunch of weak people. They're weak men. They don't know how to be strong in the sense of being strong, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Okay? That's what I think. But uh, I remain to be corrected if there are some of you ladies out there that would like to correct me or tell me how you think about that. It's a question I would really like to have answered from you ladies, okay? So here's how I'm kind of looking at it in Scripture, okay? Is the Bible saying that women are weak or are they supposed to be weak? I will answer that and say, no, not necessarily. But in today's culture of global feminism, women are generally, generally, I say, taught to take the lead and to be strong. We see it everywhere. Strong women in the home, strong women at church, strong women as CEOs of major corporations and major ministries, strong relationships in regards to males, husbands and wives, boyfriend, girlfriend, etc., etc. The problem, as I see it, is that males, men, males, have very little in the way of skills, in the way of learned skills to be men. That's right. Males have very little in the way of learned skills to be men. I wasn't taught it personally in my growing up years. Maybe you can say some of you men were not taught that either. I don't know. So for you men, you also can write me if you'd like. Send me a message at questions at cominghome.co.il. Questions at cominghome.co.il. Ask me a question. Talk to me. Give me your thoughts on how you were growing up. Did you learn the skills to be a strong man? Did you have role models like that in your life? I didn't in mine. Did you in yours? Some men may say yes, some may say no. I'd like to hear from you as well, okay? Now, certainly in Israel, where I lived for 13 years, who I have seen it all. In Israel, women are not at all weak. No way. They are filled with gutsy strength. And I've even heard some men complain about their women taking on too much strength and being way, way too strong, intimidating for some guys, which clearly changes the family dynamic, a model that is teaching young children and young people about the role of men and women in the home and in the workplace and in the world. And this is actually not just limited to Israel. Oh, I've heard men from Spanish and European communities say to me that their women are just much too strong and they are not weak at all. So I would respond and say, what is this all about? If you ask me, I say that males are not taught how to be men any longer. Not like it was even less than 100 years ago. 
in America and in Europe that men should be men and women should be women. Instead, we now have women becoming men and men becoming women. Now, it's interesting that Isaiah 3.12, that even tells us that this is the way it will be in the end of the days. Okay? Isaiah 3.12, let's read it. I'm paraphrasing this according to how I'm reading it in Hebrew. As for my people, oppressed by slave drivers and women, rule over them. This is the picture of Jezebel in 1 Kings 21.7. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, I will give you the vineyard of Navot, the Jezreelite. You see that? That's the Jezebel spirit, that women are ruling over men. So the prophet Isaiah goes on, in the name of Jehovah, my people, those who lead you, cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. So what we need to see and understand is that of a man who knows how to be a strong man and a servant to a woman. And I'm not talking about male physical strength, because generally men will always be physically stronger than women, because this is the natural way of life. Rather, I'm talking about woman as a weaker vessel, because she chooses to be so. Yes, a woman chooses to be so, not because she is weak. Rather, she chooses to become weak. Do you follow me? So, in summary, we're talking about the persona and the idea of the Son of Man in contemporary Hebrew. Then we took it into some biblical Hebrew. Then we addressed the idea of the Son of Man as a statement, bar enosh, bar enosh, breaking down the idea of bar meaning son in Aramaic and a wheat grain in Hebrew. Then we broke it down even further to talk about a nosh or a nosh as referencing a man of weakness and sickness. So we were talking a little bit about that. Then we went into a comparison between a nosh for a man and for a sickly one. And we were taking a look at this idea between Isha which is the Hebrew term for woman in Genesis 2, 23, and Insha, which is very likely the original meaning and spelling with a nun for the word woman, because the nun drops out. And that is that a man must learn how to be a strong man. And what exactly does that mean? It means he is a servant to his woman. And I don't mean Jeeves. I don't mean you're a butler. 
you know, like, oh, well, I just got to go ahead and do this and this and this for you, and you don't have to do anything, woman. No, that's not what I'm referring to. Strong is more of a spiritual term. And I'm not talking about male physical strength, because generally, men will always be physically stronger than women, because this is the natural way of life. But guys, if you want to go out there and chop some wood for your wife, or you want to clean the house, or you want to do something for her, and she doesn't have to ask you, wow, you're going to watch your jaw drop on things like that. Because then your wife or your woman is going to say, wow, you're not just talking the walk, you're walking the walk. You're not just saying, I love you. You're saying, I love you. Because when a man says, I love you, he's showing it by his actions of servitude and making his woman or his wife happy through his service. We will pick up on this next time. And we're going to talk further about this idea on the next podcast of Real Israel Talk Radio. So I want to thank you for joining me. And again, please do give me your responses to some of my questions at questions at cominghome.co.il. Be blessed. Have a great week. And uh, stay focused on your walk with Messiah. I'm Avi ben Mordechai. This is Real Israel Talk Radio. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with Avi ben Mordechai. If you wish to stay up to date with coming home news and information, simply register your email address with us on our website, cominghome.co.il. From time to time, we hope to answer questions and comments from our podcast listeners. So if you have a comment or a question, send us an email address to questions at cominghome.co.il. Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio.